0: take your bibles this morning go to the book of Matthew And as you're doing that, go to Matthew, the ninth chapter. As you're doing that, let me greet the campuses today. I'm glad you're with us. We're excited about what's taking place at every Love and Truth Church and what God is doing in local churches as we join together to fulfill the mandate that God has given to us, and that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to see lives saved. So get ready this morning to see what God is going to say to you. My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful that you're with us today. We're beginning today on this subject of it's all about people. So would you say that with me? It's all about people. Come on, let's do that again. It's all about people. Now here's what I found through the years. If we are not careful, we make church about a lot of things right? We make church about rules and regulations. We make church about certain people fitting in and other people don't fit in. We make church a lot. But really, church is all about people. Jesus Christ came to this earth for one reason, and the Bible says that was to seek and to save. That's what Jesus came for, was to seek and to save. So, in everything that we do, it always has to be about People. Now, the book of Matthew, the ninth chapter, over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this whole aspect of, of uh, how that we touch people's lives, how we reach to them. Today, the book of Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 36, I'm reading out of the New International Version. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they ha- were harassed, harassed, however you want to pronounce that word, I hear it pronounced both ways, so I just want to say it both ways. And helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Few. Few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, here's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you about seeing like Jesus. Seeing like Jesus. Now, a lot of times, we get so overwhelmed by what's happening around us that we miss out on what Jesus sees. The Bible says that Jesus saw these multitudes. And and as I got to thinking about that, remember that Jesus was God, right? We all agree about that? In other words, Jesus knew everything that everybody had done that week, didn't he? right? I mean, as he looked at them, he knew who was cheating on their companion. He knew who had just stolen stuff. He knew who had just cussed somebody out. He knew he, he knew about all this stuff that was going on. And yet, if, if that had been one of us, we'd have said, look, look at that sin, look at that sin, look at that problem, look at that difficulty, look at that issue, look at what they're doing. And yet, the Bible says about Jesus that when he saw all of these people and he knew everything about them, the Bible says that instead of him judging them, the Scripture said he had compassion on them. In fact, the Word of God lets us know that Jesus saw people as a harvest waiting to be reaped. He, he saw people as, as that which has not yet come in. I, I like to say it this way. If you don't know Jesus today, you're just pre-Christian. It, it's coming. It's going to happen. That's all right. Uh, you know, you, you're not a sinner. You're just pre-Christian today. Wow, that, that messed with some of your theology, didn't it? it it's just, you know, it's, you're, you're not there yet, but it's going to happen. And that's how Jesus saw it. The Bible says he saw it a, as a harvest field. He saw it out there. Now, what you have to understand about harvest is that harvest time, if, if you are in an agrarian society, now most of us, when, when we get ready to eat, we go to Kroger or we go to, uh, you know, Walmart or we go, you know, Piggly Wiggly. We go somewhere and, and just buy the groceries. If And if you're really back to nature and back to earth, you know, you go to a whole food store, or you go to a farmer's market, or something like that. There are very few of us who plant everything we eat right we don't live in that society anymore but in this day everything they had that they were going to eat came from what they had planted and the bible lets us know in fact the book of psalms is an interesting verse there psalm 126 verse 5 and 6 says this those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy he who goes out weeping carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with him. Now, we read that Scripture and go, man, that's a strange Scripture. Why would they go out weeping and then come back rejoicing? Here's the deal. There literally were times in the life of a farmer of that day where he had to make a choice. Was he going to plant seed and see a harvest at the end of the season, or was he going to eat and be full? In other words, he would look at his family and say, okay, we've got a choice. We can eat everything we want to for the next three months and we'll be full. But at the end of three months, we're going to starve to death. Or we can take the majority of what we have, we can sow it into the ground, and the the Bible says that he would go forth weeping. Why? Because he knew that there were going to be times where his babies were going to go to bed still hungry. He knew there were going to be times where people in his household were going to come to him and say, can't we just have a little something to eat? I am starving, and it wouldn't be like us when we say it. Right? Right? come on, we'll we'll just get done eating and and we'll five minutes later, I'm starving, I need to find something to eat. No, I'm talking about really, really being hungry. And the Bible says that literally that farmer would go forth and he would be thinking about his children, he would be thinking about his household, maybe he would be thinking about his servants knowing that the next several months were going to be very, very tough on everybody, that they were going to have to do without, but he knew that if he did not sow what seemed to be, so precious at this point he was not going to receive anything down the road and so what happens is is he would go forth in sorrow but a few months later When harvest time came around he was going to come out the Bible says with songs of joy he was going to be happy I believe that as a congregation of believers that as churches that gather together I believe with all of my heart that we ought to be excited and happy about harvest time that we ought to be every time we gather together we ought to be saying who's going to be saved today whose life is going to be changed today what is it that that God is going to do listen I, I don't think we ought to come to church sad and depressed and oppressed and you know sing liturgy dirges and, and kind of go well I don't know maybe one of these days Jesus will come along and help us out of our mess I think I think that church ought to be, when we gather together as the body of Christ, I think that we ought to come rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us, and knowing that it's harvest time every time we gather together in the house of God. The Bible says that there's coming a day where the latter rain and the former rain are going to come together. And then the Bible says there's going to come a time in the kingdom of God where the sower is going to go forth to sow and the reaper is going to overtake the the sower. In other words, God's going to do a supernatural work at such a level that even as you're sowing, you're constantly reaping. Amen. Amen. You know why? Because God's a generous God. God is a God of generosity. God and God's people are generous people. We just live. People, people who are truly sold-out Christians just live a life of generosity because that's how our Father is. And we emulate our Father in every aspect of our life. And so when you watch the life of Jesus, you see Jesus lived a life of generosity. He lived a life of giving. The, the Bible says that, that he left the splendor of heaven and he came to earth so that he could could change mankind's life and that's what he's done and so when Jesus began to look and we're talking today about seeing like Jesus sees how how many of you have some people in your life uh, that they just get on your last nerve come on I'm waiting right? Really? I mean, I mean, aren't there just every one of us, we've got some people that we just go, man, this, this person is irritating the life out of me. This person is, is really messing me up. This person is, and you know what? What we've got to do is come to that place of doing like Jesus, and that is seeing them as harvest. Seeing them as, as people who God's Word is reaching to. And I want every one of you to listen to me. Get this. In our lives, we've got to come to that place where we live life the way Jesus did. And I want to give you three things today of how you and I can see the way Jesus did. See, we need to see, number one, that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Uh, You know, I hear people all the time, nobody wants to get saved. Nobody, you know. No, no, no. Listen, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Let's read it again. Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Listen, there's a harvest out there. It is a plentiful harvest. Listen, the shortage is not in the harvest. I mean, I've been doing some reading and some research about the the health of the church in America, and and one of the things that I see so often is that the, the average church in America has 75 or less attenders on any given Sunday. Now, look, I, I know there's places most of us probably got saved in a small church, and I thank God for that. I, I, I thank God. But you know what? Listen, I believe with all of my heart that the, that which is healthy ought to grow. You know, if I've got 75 this year, I ought to at least have 76 next year. I ought to gain at least five people because I had three or four moved away and somebody died. Right? And, and so I, I, need, I need to at least be adding a little bit. I think that Jesus Christ has called us. I, I don't care where you are. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, where you're living, uh, in a metropolitan area, or you're living in a rural area. The harvest still is plentiful. The harvest still is out there. The shortage is not in the harvest. So we need to begin to see everywhere we go, we need to see that there is a harvest that's out there, that there are people that are out there. Listen, let me read this. The book of Joel says this, and and just listen. Uh, Joel 3 says, Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow, so great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Here's what he's saying. Look, there are multitudes of people that are just waiting for somebody to tell them that there's a better way to live. Somebody to come along into their life and say, you know what, I know that there is somebody who loves you more than you will ever understand. Let me share with you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that there is one who loves you even where you are right now. You don't have to do anything for him to love you. He just loves you because of who you are. See, if if we would learn to live that way, if we would learn to open our eyes everywhere we go, you know, when, when that person who's waiting on you, who's a little short with you, and who, who's a little uh, upset that day, and, and you think, well, I'll tell you what, I'll show them. I just won't leave them a tip. Uh-oh. I'll, I'll, I'll just straighten them out. Instead of doing that, what if we would look at them? I was in a situation recently, and had that happen to me, and, and, uh, and the person who was with me said, I wouldn't give them anything. And I said, oh, no, I'm going to tip them. I said, I'm going to tip them good. They said, well, why would you do that? I said, because the Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads men to repentance. And I said, and also, I eat here a lot, and I don't want them spitting in my food. (laughs) I can be spiritual, but I can be normal too, all right? (laughs) Uh, uh, And uh, (laughs) some of y'all are way, way in too much trouble already. the the process is is that we have to understand that in living life that we constantly face people uh, who are hurting. We constantly face people who who are searching. And instead of us looking on the field and, and, and getting so focused on the issue and the problem and the difficulty, we need to see them the way Jesus sees them. And Jesus, the Bible says, saw them as sheep that were scattered. He saw them as people who were hurting. He saw them as those who were lonely that there were multitudes yes even multitudes that were in the valley of decision the word of God goes on to say uh, as we look at this look in verse 36 it says when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd the second thing that that we need to do when we see the harvest is we need to realize that not only is it plentiful but it is also valuable Amen. It's valuable. When Jesus saw them, he saw them as sheep. He saw them as something precious. He saw them as something that ought to be taken care of. The, the Word of God says that he was moved with compassion. Think about that. Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead, the Bible says, bodily dwelt in him. But as he looked at them, Instead of him, I mean, have, have you ever studied the Scripture? J- Jesus is pretty blunt about sin, right? I mean, he, he, he goes into things such as, uh, you know, I know what the law says. The law says if you commit adultery, it's a sin. But he said, I say unto you, whoever looks on a woman uh, to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. I mean, that's, that's jacking it up, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's taking it to another level. Uh, he says, uh, I know that the, that the law says that if you murder somebody, uh, you're, you're in trouble. He said, I say unto you that if you even call your brother a fool, that you are in danger of hellfire. I mean, that's, again, that's kind of taking it up there. And yet, what we find is, is that Jesus, when he encounters people, although he always sets the bar high, and he always calls us to live a life consecrated and sold out to him, that when he sees us, he does not judge us. Now, you say, Pastor, are you saying there's never going to be a judgment? Oh, yes, there's coming a judgment. But we are living in a place of grace. The Bible says that the Lord's mercies are new when? When? every morning. Now, I don't know about you, but I am glad for that. His mercies are new every morning. And I don't know, maybe you don't need them, but I need them. I need new mercy because I wore it out yesterday. So thank you, Jesus, there's some new today. My bank account's full today when I get up. There's mercy that's being given to me. Why? Because Jesus looks at us and he knows our failure and he knows our shortcomings and he knows all the problems and the difficulties that, that we have in life. But he also knows that we are valuable that there's nothing else of this creation that equals mankind. Everything else God spoke into existence, but mankind, God came down in the cool of that day, and he formed man out of the dust of the earth. And he stepped back and he said, that looks pretty good. But then the Bible says, and then he breathed in the man. The breath of living life. And the Scripture says, and man became a living soul. Another translation that I love said, and man became a speaking spirit. That's that's what we are. And so when God looks at us, everything else is going to go back to dust, and and there's nothing out of that that's, that's going to come. But the Word of God says about mankind that our spirit being is going to live forever. That when God created us, he made us to live forever. And so when Jesus saw people, he didn't just see black or white or Hispanic or what. When Jesus sees people, he sees an invaluable, a person who has more value than anything else upon this earth. When Jesus sees you, the word of God says that he thinks that you are so precious That you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing any more precious than the blood of Jesus. Nothing any costlier than the blood of Jesus. All the gold and silver and diamonds and rubies, all of those pale in comparison. To the death of Jesus Christ and yet he looked at us and he looked at every person upon this planet and he said they're valuable 7 billion plus people right now upon this earth and God looks at every one of them and there's not a one of them that he says they're worthless they're no good there's nothing about them That I can redeem every person that's ever been born and I know that stretches us but every person that's ever been born Jesus looked at them and said there's something valuable in them and that's what we're called to do is that we are called to live day in and day out understanding that people are valuable I found out years ago that you should never take the dignity away from anyone you can address people you can talk to people you can correct people but we should never take their dignity away from them why because they're valuable because they are created in the image and in the likeness of the almighty god so when we look at the harvest we ought to see the harvest as valuable so the harvest is plentiful the harvest is valuable look in verse 37 and verse 38 It says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The third thing about the harvest, as we see it as Jesus sees it, is that the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. Say not there's four months and then comes the harvest, but it's harvest time, the scripture says, right now. We're entering in to the fall and, and, and things starting to get back in routine and schools cranking back up and people kind of getting back into the routine of life. I want to tell you, it's one of the greatest times ever for us to reap the harvest. God's called us to reap people. God's called us to bring people in. That's why this whole series is, it's all about people. It's not about buildings. It's, it's not about signs. It's not about blacktop. It's not about all that stuff. It's about people we've got to come to that place you know what you have to understand you can't harvest just when you have time you have to harvest when the harvest is ready i mean how how foolish would a farmer be to go out in the spring and plant everything he's got spend hours and hours to do that and then it comes the fall and it's time to reap and he goes i'm busy right now I don't think, you know what, I'll, I'll get around to that in a few months. How many of you know he's going to have nothing but rotting whatever in the field? See, in our, in our world, here's what I believe. I believe that the harvest is continually ready. And I think that we can't say, well, we'll get around to that. See, I think as a believer, as a Christian, I think that you have to constantly be aware that the harvest is ready, that there is somebody, not not everybody, but that there is somebody who's in your world. There's somebody who's in your sphere of influence that you can witness to, that you can love on, that you can share Jesus with, and they're ready to be saved. I wonder what would happen if we would go out daily knowing that somebody is ready to know Jesus that's in our life. Just every day, I'm looking. for Who is it? I don't know, but, but I'm looking. You, you know what? I believe if we would start praying, Lord, today, let me see who's ready. Let me get around that person who's looking for an answer. Give me the wisdom in that moment. You know what? I think that there are some prayers that God answers quickly. And I think that prayer, pray you the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest. And here's what I found when you pray that prayer, usually he taps you on the shoulder and say, go. You go. Go wait for somebody else. You get out there in the harvest. Now, if we're going to do that, then, then what we have to understand, and let me close in the next few minutes with this. As a laborer, we understand that the harvest is out there, it's plentiful, it's valuable, uh, it, it's all the things that we've talked about this morning. But now as a laborer, I have to kind of change my mindset. How many of you know in the kingdom of God, a lot of people don't get it? You say, what do you mean? I think, I think a lot. How many of you have ever been on a cruise? Anybody ever been on a cruise? Right? Uh, I, I've, Sherry and I have been on several cruises through the year, and every time I go, I swear I'm not going on another one. Uh, Number one, I gained about 18 pounds, and you know, you eat from sun up to sundown and then through the night. And anyway, uh, but but you know, whatever. You, I mean, when you, if you've ever been on one of those cruises, you leave your room for 30 seconds, and somebody's in there straightening everything up. And they, you know, they got the little towel animals that they made, and. Right? Am I right? I mean, it's just, it's creepy almost. How did that? ain't know I left. I wasn't gone five minutes. And they've been in my room fixing stuff. I don't like that. They, they got a camera in here, you know. What's wrong with y'all? I mean, it's just strange. And, and you know, it's all about you. I mean, you, you talk, if you want it all to be about you, just do it. Because that's all it's, it's about you. And I think that's, I think a lot of people in the kingdom of God think that this is the love boat or something. Come away with me. Yeah. I, I, that's not what it's about. It's about the kingdom. It's about getting involved. If it is, a sh- you know, the old ship of Zion, well, it's a merchant marine ship. you got to do something. You, you, you're a laborer. And you know what? It means something to be a laborer. It's the thing about laborer is a laborer doesn't mind getting dirty. A laborer doesn't mind. People say, well, you know, if if I get around people who don't know Jesus, uh, you know, I might get some stuff rub off on me. Yeah. I've had people say, well, Pastor, if I invite people over to my house, they might want to smoke. And I go, well, don't you know how to buy an ashtray? Amen. Or at least tell them where the front porch is. All right. I mean, well, if they come in, they they might smell like they've been drinking alcohol. What well, that happens every Sunday morning in this house, so ain't no biggie. No, ain't no big deal. Ain't nothing on that one. If that one messes your world up, you better find another place to go, baby. I, I mean, you know, they might say they might use words. Well, you still remember what they mean. Hopefully you're not still using them, but you, you understand, right? I mean, listen, a laborer doesn't mind getting dirty, doesn't mind getting down and, and going into the field. Listen, uh, the, the problem with so many of us is that we, we, we hang out with Christians, we go to church with Christians, we, we listen to Christian music, we listen to Christian stations. All we know is Christianese. It's a whole nother language. You know, are you washed in the blood, brother? I mean, can you imagine if somebody who doesn't know Jesus hearing you say that? They look at you and go, that's, that's weird. You talk to you about the altar. We're going to the altar. They know what you do at the altar. That's where you sacrifice the virgins at the altar. No, we, we, we need to get out of, of a place where it's all about us, and we need to get up close and personal to people and invite them into our world. Amen. I believe, yes, you need to have fellowship, you need to have strength that comes from other people uh, who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but you need a few sinners in your life. You need a few people that don't know all the Sunday school words. You need a few people uh, who, who don't have it all together because that is the ones that Jesus Christ came to. He said, I didn't come to those who were well. He said, I came to those who need a physician. He said, I need somebody who's willing to get involved in the harvest. I mean, if... if church is all about saved people and religious people we've missed it because Jesus hung out with sinners and publicans and went to parties and and was out there where the lost were looking Jesus talked to people that nobody else was talking to Jesus was touching people that nobody else would touch why because he understood the value of the harvest and if we want to reap the harvest we can't hold our nose and push them away we have to let them know that we see them just as Jesus sees them that we love them just as Jesus loves them that we care for them just like Jesus cares for them and you know what when you bring them together with other believers If we truly will develop that mindset, the presence of God will so penetrate their life that whatever they're struggling with, whatever is going on in their life, that they will understand at that moment that there is a God who cares for them. That there is someone who loves them. See, here's what I would say. If Jesus were on this stage today or on one of the other campuses' stage today and he were looking out at the crowd, he'd see our mess. He'd see what we did last week. He'd see it when we lost it. He'd see that person who's still struggling with that affair that they had. He he would see that broken heart of that person who just went through a divorce. He he would see the brokenness of the person who was sexually abused. He he would see all of that, but he would not judge any of that. Here's what he would say. He would look out and he would say to us, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart and you shall find rest for your soul that's what Jesus would say and that's what we should say that's how we should live that's how we should see every day of our life